Shirt Show. All right, let's go. Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! Episode 71 of Shirt Show. We're talking with Bo from Craftworks in California. Let's go! Hey there, Sugar Plum. Hey, bud. You're looking cute today. So are you. Let's, oh, uh, let's do our checks, yeah? Oh, sure. I like you. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. We got a fancy shirt on there for your uh, anniversary today. Yeah, it is. I'm ready. Like I'm going from here right. to dinner. Is that one of those shirts where you don't care about and the buttons are kind of like lightly sewn on? So when you get passionate later, you can fucking rip it off. Yeah, it's actually exactly that. Yeah, I got right. it at Victoria's Secret. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That so. secret is out later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've got something here that's pretty exciting. Oh, God. Dad joke button. I'm reading a horror story in Braille. Something bad's going to happen. I can feel it. <laughs> that's that's you even got one. a laugh in the end of it. I know. Yeah, check it out. One more. Can't run through a campsite. You can only ran because it's past tense. <laughs> what? I don't even get that one. It's you're running past <laughs> tense. <laughs> oh yeah. I was in my garden and saw 10 ants running frantically. So I made them a little house out of cardboard. I guess that makes me their landlord and them my 10 ants. <laughs> the laugh at the end is the best part for me. All right. You want one more before we turn this thing off? All right. One more. How many are on it? I don't know. Like Infinite. it's unlimited. Yeah. It's, it's Bluetooth constantly all, updating. Exactly. Every single dad joke ever. I would love that. Chris said to me, Careful, that plate is hot. I said, it's okay. So am I. <laughs> what? Is that real? That's not a good that's a, I even that, I can imagine the dude in the booth recording those and he has to do that shit laugh at the end of every single one of them. Right. <laughs> okay. So yeah, there's that. If you ever need if I ever need a, you know, like a dad joke, you got a button. Real quick, yeah. You just smash that button. Right. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. Did I say Joanne got that for me? Because no, you didn't. I'm, I meant to say that. Yeah. Joanne, thank you so much. Like this, this thing rules. I love it. <laughs> You're supposed to have spooky dad jokes. For, I know. So uh, I have Halloween. one of those. I have one of those too. Um, but I've been hogging up all the dad jokes. So you. No, no, no. You uh, go. go ahead. You sure? I'll hit you with one. Uh, I got one. Andy, are you today's date? Yeah, actually. Yeah, I am. <laughs> because you're 10, 10. That's so dumb. <laughs> Although I like 10. that 10. Yeah, that is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That's the You're 10 out of 10. That is the exact date you need to ask that question on. Right, right, right. Right there. Mm. Um, yeah, hit me with yours. Hey Dylan, what does a witch use to do her hair? I don't know. Scare spray, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Is that kind the, of like la- the-, the laugh made it for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. What else is going on, man? How was your week? Uh, week was pretty good. Uh, solid week of printing, which was good. Uh, 
I got some, I ordered some new stainless steel tables for around the dryer for cleanup and squeegees and flood bars and stuff. So what do you mean? Uh, like rolling tables? I didn't get wheels on them. Like we have two spots kind of at the end of the dryer. Cause we have, you know, press on both sides of the dryer mm-hmm. near the end of the dryer. I have uh, like wooden tables now. And they're kind of like, you know, my dad made them. They're just like plywood tables. Um, and now that I'm working out there, I'm noticing little things and I'm like, man, I wish this was, you know, stainless. Cause then I could wipe it up easier. So I ended up ordering like two, four foot stainless tables that have like two shelves. Um, so you can like clean squeegees and little bars and then put stuff okay. underneath. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, we have that sort of thing in uh, what we call the ink pit and I got them from ours from Uline, but their yeah. table cleans up really easily too. Yeah. That's what, that's what they are. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, Friday I got pizza and wings and then uh, Brian's wife, Kristen came in and she's an amazing cook and she brought in uh, cinnamon rolls. So I was like, oh, I got to eat a cinnamon roll. So I ate like a big cinnamon roll. I had pizza and wings. And then Chris brings in a box from UPS that was from Tyler from TC screen printing. And it was one of those uh, Lou Melnati's like hot dog kits. Hmm. So I was like, fuck, there's so much food today. Uh, so we'll probably be having hot dogs. Uh, yeah, I remember tomorrow. both of us were having a challenging week. <laughs> and yeah. um Tyler reached out and said, Hey, you know, I want to make this better. How what what do you guys right? I, do you guys want you some guys? boiled hot dogs? Yeah, and then we said we did, but I didn't I'm sure mine's on the way. Like I'll, right, I'll get right, ours right. on Monday. Right. Which will be perfect. So, so what I wanted to do is bastardize it and just like boil the hot dogs <laughs> and not put any of the stuff on top and just put it in uh in the roll, like a boiled hot dog in a roll. What? That'll be good, right? Yeah, do that. Right. Sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then today I went to the pumpkin farm. Again? Well, oh. I went and got pumpkins on Saturday. And there's like a local lady, like right down the road from our house. We went and got pumpkins. And then uh, today we woke up this morning and went to the pumpkin farm where you do like pumpkin farm shit, you know, like hay rides and like pumpkin cannons. They have this like huge cannon that's like, I don't know, it's like, CO2 powered or whatever that you can launch pumpkins. They come out so <laughs> far fucking fast and hard. Dude, that's so like it would kill you if you got hit by one. Like it launches it a hundred feet. The, those, you know, those like pumpkins you can hold in your hand, like those little mm-hmm. ones that are probably like, you know, whatever. They like put them in this cannon and they shoot it. That's so neat. I got a video. Yeah, it's so awesome. And then there's a there's a corn cannon too. It's like same thing. It's like this handheld cannon, and the guy feeds in like a whole piece of corn and you could fucking launch it. And they got like targets and stuff out in the field to hit. And it's like 10 bucks to play or something. It's like a ticket. Like it's like a dollar dollar twenty five a ticket. And I think it's like a ticket for three corn or one ticket for one pumpkin. What'd you do this week? Mm, well, besides cry a little bit, mm-hmm. tears on the inside. Give me the I didn't full actually scoop. like I, I didn't actually cry real tears. You just swallowed them. Yeah, kept I kept them, them inside, in. <laughs> bottled them up. That's right? what, that's what you're supposed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, really, it wasn't that big of a deal. I think it just felt heavy that day. But um, you know, Ryan came and we uh, he came here because I was trying to tighten up our flow, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's not easy to do. And so there was a few speed bumps uh, along the way. We're not done by any means, but we made some progress. Right. He just came for the, mm. the initial walkthrough. 
Yeah. Which is a bit of a gut punch, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, you think you are doing a lot of stuff right. And, and we are. But then when, you know, it's sort of a, it's difficult to, to be criticized. Right. When the teacher walks in. <laughs> right. <laughs> ah. But um, it's necessary. I think it was good. What else did you do this week? Because you had more weeks. We printed some shirts a lot. Wow. Yeah. You don't busy. say. Right. We do a little bit of that here. You printed shirts. That sums up your week. Yeah. And do you know. The muffin. Have you, have you heard of Ted Lasso? Yes. The show. Mm-hmm. Well, Stephen from Campus Inc. said. Um, are you watch? Have you watched Ted Lasso? I'm like, who's that? This mm-hmm. was a a few days ago. Yeah. Well, I know who he is now. It's good stuff. How far, how far into it are you? I would say six, six episodes, season one. Yeah. How about you? I haven't seen it, but I've heard from people that I have to watch it. So, mm-hmm. no, what do you want? What do you watch it on again? Is it on that Peacock or some shit? Mm, uh, I'm watching on Apple TV. Oh yeah, I don't have that. So I don't have it either, but you you can get it for a week for free, and I did that. Uh-huh. And then after that, it's four ninety nine. So mm. you know, it's basically you can watch all of Ted Lasso's two seasons for five bucks if you want. I bet. You know I mean, I have to do it. Mm-hmm. I've heard from enough people to check it out. I might as well check it out. It's great. It's like everybody right now is telling you to watch that Squid Game show. Yeah, have you watched any of it? I don't even know what it is. I just hear about it. I'm like, what is that? I see it everywhere. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. And I have people texting me being like, hey, have you seen Squid Game? And I'm like, no. Mm. They're like, oh, just watch episode one because I want to send you this meme. And it won't make any sense unless you watch it. Mm. I was like, okay. What's that on? It's on Netflix. But I I haven't checked it out yet. So we're out of the loop. We're we're old and out of the loop. I know. I guess we do. What do we do? We run a a t-shirt shop. That's probably right. most of it, isn't it? It's the coolest thing we do. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, you want to talk about our friends, our sponsors? Yeah, let's talk about them. Easy Way's line of eco-friendly chemicals will get the job done faster, more efficiently, and will cost you a fraction of the cost per... Screeny. Easy Way. <laughs> it's the easiest way. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, don't you love how I have to read that still? Yeah, I do. So sad. So I sad. feel like you should rewrite it and spice it up a little bit. Well, I didn't write it in the first place. So it needs to be, it is what it is. It's sad, okay, man. Oh, uh, second, where's your Wild Boy sticker? I'm gonna it, needs put to be, it needs to be up there on your mic. I, I didn't feel very wild today. All right. You can kind of tell my mood. My mood is a little. It's down You're a notch. Still a wild boy. I don't know if you I like am. it or not. I think I would be disappointed. You're, I'm going to make you stickers of that, but you're going to be mild boy. <laughs> <laughs> I would have that hanging there right now because mild boy. Yeah, that's my vibe right now. Justin, we're we're making a new a new club, new clan, mild boys, mm-hmm. where we yeah. we don't know shit about popular culture. And we just stress out and run our screen printing business. Hashtag right. my, my, mild boys. Then go home, go to bed, wait for tomorrow. <laughs> go home, go to bed, wait for tomorrow. Right. <laughs> look, looky what I got. Ooh, fancy. You ready? Oh, yeah. Quivering. Nice. Pinky? That's weird. <laughs> no, bring it in. We'll put a pinky in the hole, okay? 
You know, it was one of the best things I've seen. A lot of people send us all the time. Like we see them ordering screens and they get Frank or they, you know, do something with Frank or get this sweet hot dog thing that says Frank on it. Um, but it was funny how we had Eric from Night Owls on the show and we asked him about screens. Remember, we asked him what was better. Like, I don't remember what I was looking into. Oh, I was looking into uh, Sherlock's or Sherlock's maybe? at the time, mm-hmm. like way back when we had him on. And then we were talking about Frank's and then he was talking about how he used Newman frames, Newman rollers, you know, and he was talking about how they were so good or whatever. Did you see the other day that he got rid of and sold all of his Newman's and then he had like four huge pallets of screens from Frank? I saw all those pallets from Frank, but I didn't know he got rid of the Newman's. Well, he made a post earlier that said that like he was selling Newman frames. Okay. So that's a testament right there that our buddy Eric Mm -hmm. knew what I think he used to use statics and I think they were from Frank even. And then he switched to rollers and then for some reason. And then realized how good. I think probably we're having an influence on him and he probably bought like a couple pallets of tape too. You know, he loves tape. You know what? He probably used the, uh, the discount code is what he did. Right. You mentioned sure show and got what? 5% off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good job, Eric. Thanks bud. We love you, man. But you know, if you want to check, Frank out, or we should say graphic screen fashion, you can go to graphicscreenfashion.com or you could go to FFFF rank.com.com. There's one more way to get there too, Dylan. What's you that? could go to greatfuckingscreens.com. Right. That's the preferred method. Right. I do, the ideal one. That's the one that's getting, you know, mm-hmm. all the Google trackage. Yeah. You know, trackage, trackage, yeah, trackage. Yeah. traffic, maybe traffic. No, tra- trackage. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That that Google trackage. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Action engineering. So action engineering makes the accessories printers need like the squeegee roller. Now it's Mm -hmm. your turn. Well, dude, there's so many things they make fucking all Um, the pallets ever that you would need. There's like so many things they they like, they make fucking, um, (laughs) They make that thing. I should have um, listed stuff that they don't make. Right. <laughs> right. Um, no, but they make like all for every manufacturer, basically squeegees and flood bars. They make pallets for almost every manufacturer. They make all kinds of organizational things for your press. Yeah. And okay. Enough, enough, enough already. Whatever. Not so many. Okay. Good job. Hey, go check out action engineering.com. When you buy one of those things and you have it in your cart at checkout, Enter mild boys and get 15% off. Right. Mm-hmm. And by mild boys, I mean church show. Yeah. They should actually yeah. make two codes. Like mild boys should be 10% off because it's just kind of right. It's not as hot. Yeah. Right. Not as wild. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, our next sponsor is Monarch. I love yeah. Monarch. We just got in like, what, like six pails of Yeti LB. When you say uh, pail, do you mean five gallon? A fiver? Okay. A fiver. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. 
Um, I don't get the I don't get the drums just because I don't like the idea of the pump and crawling into a drum to get the ink out. I like just getting fives. Check this out. You can order a drum made out of cardboard, which is great, first of all, because it's not plastic, right? Cardboard. You dig in, which is really easy, until you get halfway down, and then you get your sawzall, cut that fucker in half. Or you get fives and you crack open a beautiful fresh five, put it on a turnabout so it's beautiful and creamy all day long. And then when it's done, you put a new five on and you how is that five? How is that five more beautiful and more fresh? Because I can see it spinning. It's like going to a bakery and seeing the the dough spinner thing. Super hard to dig out of a pail and put it into the five that's already on the turnabout. But that's an extra step. Whatever. Is it because it's kind of a hard pulling the five off the turnabout to put a new five on the turnabout? You if know you're what? A weakling, you can't lift an empty five gallon I don't, bucket. Hard, not. I didn't say heavy. There's a difference between that. Didn't heavy ask if and you were hard. hard. I asked if you couldn't get the five gallon off. The Are you turnabout. sure? Because I usually do ask that. Maybe I'm confused because I'm just yeah, so used know. to you. I'm so used to you asking that. Um, so ink better, monarch. <laughs> <laughs> ink better, print better, be better. Live moss, monarch monarch beautiful so good do you remember uh, i don't know if you ever did this but in high school when you went to dances did you ever joke i would love to hear how you're about to where this story is going i was just going to joke about how did you ever did you ever do you ever prank your dates or whatever and act like going to taco bell or something no no like you're in a tux and all that i definitely didn't wear a tux to dance you definitely did. I mean, that's what people do. They have you have to. I remember I snuck into a school dance once through the bathroom window. That's really. I think I had like detention you. that day, and if you have detention, you're not allowed to go. Hmm. And I crawled through the. Someone let me through the window in the bathroom, the guy's bathroom. And then I, you. I went to that fucking middle school dance anyway, like a badass. That is. <laughs> and you probably broke some glass bottles on the. Yeah. Like somewhere. They were probably so, playing like six songs by like TLC and Limp Biscuit. I had to be there. <laughs> cool. So I could talk to everybody on AIM about it afterwards. Oh, you had FOMO. Right. Yeah. So that's why you went. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Right. See, <laughs> I learned. I learned what that means. Right. 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 Are you all ready for print hustlers in a week and a half, basically? I guess. I mean, yeah. Are you? I guess. What is that? What do I have to do to get ready? I have to, I got to get a petty, a mani and a petty. Mm-hmm. Right? Show off them toes. Mm-hmm. If I, I so, might go to Walmart real quick and take a nap. Uh, Parking so lot. Okay. okay. Whatever. Whatever you want. I mean, the Walmart's like right around the corner. Yeah. I remember because I pooped there. <laughs> did you really? When yes. did you poop here? <laughs> Because I didn't want to poop at your work. Destroy our bathroom. Yeah, I fucking left there, walked to Walmart, took a shit mm-hmm. and walked back. It's probably like two years ago. You're super wrong. Oh my God. Two years ago, that would have been 2019 pre-COVID. It's okay, Dylan. Time is a construct. Like right. two years ago, one year ago, three years ago, doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Right. Yeah, it was just... Some time ago, many moons ago. <laughs> yeah. Right. That you you came here 
and we sat by a fire and then we all shared a blanket. I think I just need to fly out for a weekend anyway, just to hang out. I know. And I need to come there too. I've never been invited up there. Hmm. You, I'm, I won't say anything for a minute and you can invite me. Okay. So here you could, you could come up and then we could hang out here for a day and then we could go, uh, to the finger lakes and get wine. And then we could keep driving and go to Buffalo and see Niagara falls. That sounds lovely. Um, I accept, but why would you mention getting wine since you don't drink wine? I drink wine. Mm -hmm. I can drink some wine. We, we can go, we could go grape picking. Mm. See some wineries and then we'll just keep driving. We'll go see we Tony in Rochester. Can we stomp on some grapes, you think? Yeah. Okay. We can reenact that YouTube video where that lady's like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, and you're right. Yeah, we could go see Tiny Fish mm-hmm. and get some wings. Hell yeah. Okay. Sounds like hell of a trip. Well, this episode is going to be short because. It is 418 and we're, we've got an hour and 40 minutes left at this point. I'm going to message him. He might be having technical difficulties. Okay. So I said, you ready? He said, yep. Okay. You ready? Need to stretch? Here you go. Uh, All stretched up. Get, Get a good, get some oxygen up in that brain. The whole tongue thing is wrong. Like, don't do that because that blocks. You have to to stretch. (laughs) We're doing a podcast. I have to stretch the the muscle that is used. Well, that makes sense. I didn't know that's what that was. I don't want to look at that because you can't unsee it. Don't do that anymore. Like, turn. turn You like it better side to side or up and down? I like circles. Can your tongue touch your nose? I'm not falling for that shit. I'm not even close. I'm not, I'm not watching. Why? Gross. <laughs> so I couldn't do it. I started to, and I had to stop here. Do it right now. Yeah. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. <laughs> he signs off immediately. <laughs> it, it, we'll know if he's true. If he stays. <clears throat> What's up, dude? Not too much. I guess doing. What do you got behind you? Okay. So this is my mom's painting. Oh, and she uh, just painted this probably, I don't know, two months ago. And I told her, I was like, hey, I need that painting. I'm uh, doing a podcast on Sunday. Can I come <laughs> pick that from you? So I came, picked it up. So where was it? Was it in her home? Yeah. So when I started screen printing, I was in my parents' garage. And I eventually outgrew that. And during COVID, she decided, so she was painting our backyard and made a mess of our whole backyard with paint and things everywhere. So she moved her whole entire little paint studio into my old little print shop. Right. So now it's a whole uh, little art studio with paint. That's awesome. Everywhere. Seems yeah. like seems like only in California can you have a paint studio outside, like all yeah. year round, probably. Oh yeah, no, totally. She'll sit out there and paint, and she's kind of a night person, so she'll sit out there all night and paint, and uh, with a nice glass of wine and do her painting. It's her. That's uh, awesome. To escape from uh, all the stuff she has to deal with. <laughs> mm. Yeah, she loves it. So what else What else is in that office? Because if you didn't have that there, you would be just like white wall on it. <laughs> yeah, so that's the other. So my office is my office slash showroom. Um, and it's probably, 
I had to guess probably 30 feet wide by 20 feet, I want to say. That's a that's a big office. Well, that's the only thing I have here. So that's just me, a showroom, and then a warehouse. Um, and when I first moved into the space, it was, it was kind of a shithole. Um, the carpet was <laughs> disgusting. The walls were disgusting. So me and my dad came in, painted all the walls, put in a fake laminate wood, and did the baseboards, um, painted everything, hung racks, um, just so I could show product. And because before, I'm sure Andy, you started in your garage from what I understand, but customers would always want to come over and say, Hey, let me come look at your stuff. Let's have a meeting, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, great. They want to come to my parents' garage and I'm going to show them shirt samples and hats and whatever. So I'd oftentimes make an excuse and say, Oh, let me just come to you. I'll bring some samples or let's meet at Starbucks or whatever. That's what but I was going to say is, is most of the time I did mm -hmm. exactly that. We would meet them, you know, just because we didn't want people coming, we didn't advertise that we were out of our house. And so I always thought back then anyway, that they wouldn't come to me then. Like they wouldn't place their order. You know, they would say, oh, we don't have, we don't want some dude out of his garage doing it. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. But I was wrong really, um, as it turns out, because eventually we just got so busy and <laughs> I said, fuck it. And people started stopping by and which was great because then you don't have to drive to them which takes mm -hmm. time. Right. And, and it's, so it's great. They're coming over, but then they come over all the time. Yeah, you no, know? it's totally true. I would even big customers in the beginning, like you said, I'd be like, no, can't come here. Let me just deliver to you. And my dad one time was like, why the hell are you delivering all these boxes? That's taking you half hour to go there, half hour back. You get stuck talking to the customer. That's an hour and a half of your time. And he said, make them come pick up or charge a delivery fee. And I said, well, I don't want them to come to the house. And they, he was saying, it's not the end of the world if they know you're in your garage, if you're putting out good quality work. Um, it's not that big of a deal. And that's what I would do. I'd just have people come to the house, pick it up, give it to them. They said, oh, you're out of your garage. It's just so cool. I'm so happy to support a small little business. Um, right. So yeah. it did take some time for me to realize that and not be scared or embarrassed. Oh, I'm in a little garage. Um, but it was a lot of, it was fun and not fun, I guess, printing in the garage. Um, some days absolutely sucked because it was so small and, I did everything in that garage, exposed screens, washout screens, had a dryer in there, all my ink, um, everything. And it was a little one, one, uh, yeah, one car garage. It was tiny, but I made that, it work for, that was pretty much our first place too, was a, I say it was a sign shop, but it was really a two car garage, but like the garage on the left, there was like a wall dividing both garages. It wasn't like one open room. So the, the room on the left was where we printed, but it was like, super cramped like there was already a corner because it was a sign shop that was like i don't know maybe like four feet by like two feet that he had like a homemade washout thing in so we, we clean screens in that which was like this terrifying murder shed and then our our you know single manual and small dryer were in that other room is also like inks and like a computer and like one tiny rack to put shirts on and yeah. it was like way too small yeah um, no, I totally get that. I had a back door that led to my parents' backyard in a shop right by my new shop now um, was getting rid of a bunch of things. It's a massive shop. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're called quick turn screen printing. They're more mm -hmm. or plus inches, big shop. Yeah. And he actually helped me get started. And one day he called me and said, Hey, 
have a bunch of ink. Um, bring my night crew a case of monsters and you can take as much ink as you want until the night crew's done. And I said, Oh fuck yeah, game on. So I got my pickup truck and went there after work and I probably picked up 25, 50 gallons of just ink, every single color, a couple gallons of white. And I think I did the math and it was like three grand, five grand worth of ink. And now were they uh, getting rid of it? Cause they got a new system or. Um, at the time they were, don't quote me on it, but I think at the time they were doing a lot of um, like Disneyland merch, Target merch, um, all those big box stores um, right. printing. They're doing a lot of kid stuff. So they had to use a special ink um, that wouldn't affect um, little kids. Right. It was probably all phthalate free stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, that's what I asked. I said, why are you getting rid of it? And that I believe is what he said. And I said, well, what about me? And he said, well, it's not that big of an issue because you're just printing for right. Holman's construction company or whatever. It wasn't that big at the time. Um, but yeah, he gave me tons and tons of free ink. And uh, even one of my first, what I thought was a big job was like a hundred pieces, one clear front, one clear back. I said, Oh, no problem. It's due in two days. I'll have it done in a day. Not a problem. So I cut the screens, I'm dry go to expose them. And I was probably printing for maybe two weeks and kind of gotten it down, but not really. And the screens wouldn't expose whatsoever. I only had maybe five, 10 screens. Um, so I called them up one day and I said, Hey, this is my issue. I have coded screens. I have the film. Can you, um, expose everything for me and I'll pay you whatever. So I brought him the screens. He ripped off the emulsion, put new emulsion on, threw it in his drying rack, exposed it, had them ready to go. And, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And that to me was a huge, huge eye opener. I was in shock. I was like, that would take me a day to figure out how to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. He, he's an awesome dude. Um, he sends me quite a bit of work. Um, they just got the new um, digital squeegee. Uh, mm-hmm. What is it? Maverick, I think. Um, I think that's what it's called. They got, but, I think they got a Maverick. Yeah. Maverick is all digital. It's just a digital machine. Like a DTG yeah. machine, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so they really have nice that. Rides. Yeah, they have that, and then the other one that goes actually on press. Um, the digital squeegee. Yeah, yeah, and when he got that, he's like, "Come by, check it out." And I mean, that thing is nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But I have uh, a similar deal when we when I was out of my garage, mm-hmm. and I didn't have a door though going to the backyard, mm-hmm. and I wanted to. I needed more space, and so I bought a shed. And my idea was, is I'll put some stuff out, you know, store some stuff in the shed. And so I cut a hole in the back of our garage and I was pretty sure like it would have been like just perfect, like ground level. Right. Mm -hmm. But we cut the hole out and it turns out it was like, I had to step over like this two foot foundation wall that I didn't want to cut. So in other words, every time I went to the shed, which was a lot, I had to step over this giant Mm. wall. (laughs) <laughs> so it yeah. wasn't so, so it wasn't so great. And I actually ended up putting a, a press out in that shed and would print out there. Mm. And true story, I would hand my my son, who was like seven at the time, because I didn't want to if I was printing 60 shirts or whatever, I didn't want to step over the thing all the time. So he would stand on the other side in the garage and I would hand him the shirt and then he'd put it on the dryer. Why did you have <laughs> was it a second press? Yeah, I got a second manual because I mean, it was out of a garage and I, I was starting to run. I had more work than one manual. And so I was like, oh, I'll get another Did manual. Did you have an employee? Out. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I had, you had like, an employee when you were in the garage. I did. Yeah. 
it wasn't ever, um, I suppose it was maybe close to full time, you know, but I had a couple of part times. So he was printing in the, in the garage and you were yep. in the creepy shed in the backyard. Yeah. And then I got the auto and put it in my garage, sold a manual and then kept that one manual out in the shed and would literally print sometimes like if it was, there was snow out there, it didn't matter, you know, because awesome. you had a manual job or whatever to do. Yeah. But garage. yeah, you know, things we do. Yeah. Garage days are good. I remember the first um, big rain we had, I walked out into my garage shop and the whole thing was flooded, probably an inch of water in the garage. Cause my garage door, actually the back door, I had kind of taken the door off and there was a little seal at the bottom. I just ripped everything out so I could bring in water and I didn't even think of it, but it rained and the whole thing, the whole garage flooded. Um, had boxes in there soaking wet shirts soaking wet and i was like this is not this is not a good place to print and i'd even have one day i can remember i was printing and it smelled horrible in there and i couldn't figure out where it was coming from what it was it was just mildew <clears throat> no so a bird flew into the garage and i wasn't in there landed in one of the gallons of ink that was oh. tucked away that wasn't using and uh, it got stuck and eventually died in there and yeah. it just rotted away and the whole place just stunk. It was horrible. Dude, we had literally that exact same thing probably like three months ago. Hmm. Like a bird flew in, landed, and I don't know how either because it had a lid on it. Like hmm. it must have been like the lid came up a little bit or it like got near the cup and kind of like crawled into the cup, like opened it or something. But we went out to grab an ink for a job and opened it up. And there was like a half decayed bird in the cup of ink. Yeah. It was like gold ink. And I have a picture of it too. And it's like, it was gross as fuck looking like it's super yeah. not ideal. That'd be a horrible way to die. Right. Just oh, I like, know. Like the thing is just, just like a tar pit. It's like totally stuck. Yeah. Like couldn't get out. Like, I don't understand how we didn't like hear it. You know what I mean? Unless it like dove under and then came up and then was just covered. <laughs> Had a mouthful of plastisol. Oh God, this had to be so bad. I felt so bad for it. Just like thinking about it. It's a terrible way to go. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to go back to, you said you left the garage and went to the new place and you saying your dad helped you uh, like fix up the new place. Isn't it amazing to have like fixer dad? Yeah. So my dad and my grandpa both very handy and my grandpa's do it yourself don't hire somebody else just do it yourself and which makes sense but sometimes it just makes sense to pay someone to get it done that way you're not wasting your time doing it uh, but yeah no my dad's very handy um and he helped me in the back of my shop before i moved in there was a huge piece of uh, machinery that um, went up to the roof line and then they built an additional um, like 10 feet up into the building to put this huge machinery in there and where I decided to put my press, there's a huge hole in the roof. Um, so we had to bring in a huge four by four cross beam um, that I, so I can mount my airlines and electrical. That way it wasn't on the ground. And I told him, I said, I don't know how we're going to do this. And he said, well, let's go to Home Depot. We'll get a four by four. We'll get two forklifts. And thankfully, my next door neighbor does forklift repairs. So we borrowed two forklifts. And I had a couple of buddies help and we lifted him. Um, we put a pallet on the edge of the forks and lifted him to the very top. He drilled it into the um, roof and then we carried it over to the other side, drilled it in. And then that's how we were able to drop our lines. Um, 
I wouldn't have thought of that if it weren't for him. So thank you, dad. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, he's very handy and has a bunch of good ideas. Um, and yeah, he helped me do my whole showroom. Um, him and my mom, I guess totally helped me. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know, years and years ago now, probably when we first started, like was, would always ask my dad to help because my dad mm-hmm. is like an ultimate handyman. Like he knows yeah. how to do everything. Um, and then I, I kind of felt guilty about it. Like after like a year or two, because I constantly have a list. Like I even have a list on my desk right now. That's probably a full page long. That's just like shit I need done that. Like I'll have my dad do like pretty much. I, I should, but I just have my dad on payroll basically. Like he's Mm -hmm. here almost every single day, like doing some kind of project, like fixing the building or building something, a car. Yeah. Yelling at my mom while she's doing digitizing. Um, just like anything around the shop. And it's crazy. Like I I just basically, like I said, I, I started paying him. Like if he does handyman like services for like anyone around here, like if somebody's like, I want a deck built, he charges like whatever, like a, whatever he normally charges. I I pay him a lot more than that. I'm just like, no, nope, dad's doing it. And it's awesome to be able to be like my retired dad, like it's a, a basically a full paycheck from me just doing shit around the shop. And it's awesome too, because if you think of something, you know, like if you were anyone else and you were like, Oh, it'd be really nice to have this done in the shop, but then you have to like hire an electrician or hire a carpenter or you'll just eventually get to it. I can just call my dad on Sunday and be like, Hey, you free this week. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I need this bill. Yeah. And then he just like, does it. It's so rad. Me and my dad, we, cause originally in my shop, it's just basically a long rectangle, I guess it's like, yeah, basically a long rectangle. And at first I was like, oh, let's have my new exposure unit and everything just be out in the open. And then my rep who was selling me all my equipment and helped me set up, she said, no, you need to close all this. And I thought, oh, I'll just get an easy up and hang some stuff on the sides and we'll call it a day. And my dad growing up, he did uh, built homes with my grandpa. And he's like, no, we'll build a super good structure. We'll build a little room. And this thing's freaking rock solid. It's, if code enforcement came in here and wanted to earthquake test it or whatever, this thing ain't going nowhere. It's bolted to the floor. It's got everything and more you could want. It's way, way overbuilt, but the thing's not going anywhere and I can right. store so much stuff on top. Um, Cause I personally probably wouldn't take the time to build something like that. Mm-hmm. take the time to do something business related to bring in more work. Um, but he's like, no, we'll knock it out on a Sunday and we'll get all the stuff and do it. And, that's what we did. We knocked it out on a Sunday in probably eight, eight, six hours, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And now it's just super nice. It's there. There's no outside elements coming in and mm-hmm. it just makes more well, sense. It's nice, it's nice to keep it climate controlled. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if having a solid room that's insulated, you can mm-hmm. have better screens because it's all climate control. Yeah, no, exactly. So that is a very nice to have someone that can help you do everything because I can't do it all. I've seen a lot of like different dark rooms. Like I've seen people hang like black plastic from the ceiling, like and make a dark room. I've seen people like just make a wooden structure dark room. Mm-hmm. I went to second city and they have these amazing, like futuristic, like automatic doors where you go up to it and the light turns green, and the door rolls up and you get to go in. Like that was one of the coolest entrances to a dark room I've ever seen. Yeah, I've seen people get those like carports, you know, how you can get mm-hmm. like, I don't know, you go to Harbor Freight or whatever, or some other place and get those like aluminum frame. And then you put like the kind of the tarp 
zip up thing over it. Like people have those in their building because then they can move it if they need to, you know, if you just have a giant rectangle warehouse, you can actually move it if you need to move it. Mm-hmm. And like if you buy another press or something. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, have I, for me having like a solid room is nice. Yeah. I have one, I have a friend when I was doing all my plumbing, I was talking to other shops and they're saying, Oh, it costs about this much to your plumbing. And I was like, that's a lot of money. I've already spent so much money in a new press and a new exposure unit and an air compressor. And so I had a buddy that did all my plumbing and it probably took us three Sundays all day of work. I paid for all the material and just paid him hundred bucks a day. And he did everything from for me. He did all my water, um, all our airlines, everything. And mm-hmm. my, and I had no clue how I was going to pump my washout to the other side of the building. Cause I share the building with another company. And at the time he's like, well, we can cut the concrete out and lay a pipe down. That's going to be about 10 grand. And I said, yeah, I don't have an extra 10 grand. It's laying that around for plumbing. And after probably a couple hours of thinking and going back and forth, we decided to go, we, put a pump in from the, um, so the water drains and gets cleaned. Um, and then it gets pumped from there into a big holding tank and that pumps it straight up and over the whole entire building and then into a drain. And that was like maybe 200 bucks in material versus $10,000 and cutting concrete. Um, so finding friends and people that are in that industry that know what they're doing and know how to do it. Like we had a, uh, leak with one of our pumps or one of the pumps went out and we needed a new tank as well. And I called him up. I said, Hey, I need this done. I know you're busy, but please just come and take care of it. He's like, okay. Yeah. I'll be there later today. Yeah. I've so seen people up. in the city that have to, uh, they have like those big water holding tanks and they'll fill like three or four of them, whatever, during a week. And then they have a company come out just like you have a garbage company and they mm-hmm. pump all the water out of the tanks and then yeah. you start all over. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, having people that know what they're doing and you can, kind of reach out to and how I'm help you out is oh, it's huge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Even all my electrical was a, it's just a friend that's been in my circle for a while. He's an older dude and we traded t-shirts for electrical work and he's great. He's wired the press, put outlets throughout the whole shop. Um, he's coming Isn't in tomorrow actually to do led lights because the lighting back there right now is absolutely sucks. Isn't that the greatest that we are in an industry that, almost all companies need and you can trade for just about anything. Yeah, absolutely. Like Andy, do, have you ever traded like a ton, like a bunch of stuff? Yeah, definitely. Um, sometimes I like to, sometimes I don't because I've done some trades where like, I don't need anything from them. They've asked me, you know, they're in getting shirts or whatever. And they're like, Hey, um, you know, I'll trade you for some services. And I'm like, okay. And I did it. And then I didn't really use their thing for a year, you know? Yeah. So it was easy. It would have been easier for me to just run it through, but you're right. Like if you're trying to get something done, so whenever I need something here done, I always call a customer of our, a client of ours, you know, like right. if it's a plumbing, a plumber or whatever. Right. Just cause I'd like to use the people that, that use us for sure. But um, before you were in this shop and before you were in the garage, what made you want to start a t-shirt shop besides just being crazy? How did you get started? Um, so I, so when I was a sophomore in high school, I started a little clothing brand and I did that for 
I don't know, maybe two years. Um, and in those two years, I'd go to shops and say, Hey, and I wasn't, it was nothing crazy. Um, it was 24 shirts here, 36 shirts here, whatever. So I'd go to them, do my order pay. And they would say, okay, yeah, one week turnaround time. All right, perfect. Well, a week would go by. I said, Hey, one of the shirts can be done. Like, I'll give us another week. And I said, okay, that's fine. I'm small. I get it. Whatever. Another week would go by and okay, we need another five days to get shirts done. I was like, okay, that's ridiculous. It's 24 shirts, one color front, one color back. Like that's easy to me. I mean, I had no idea I was talking about at the time, but I was like, this has to be pretty easy to do. Um, so going back and forth or just dealing with that nonsense. Um, I just, after, I guess it was after high school, I brokered a tiny bit in high school. Um, not much, just kind of get my feet wet, trying to figure it out. Um, but I actually started the company with an ex-girlfriend and we did it for solid um, choice. Yeah, no, it was a great choice at the time. I thought <laughs> I was pretty perfect, but no, it ended up coming back and kicking me in the butt, but weird. Yeah, I know. Very weird. <laughs> um, but at the time I was like, Oh, this would be perfect. We were printing for sororities, fraternities, uh, family, friends, businesses, this, that, and the other. And I mean, we were making good money and it was fun and easy. And then eventually just dwindled out and I bought her out and, uh, stayed in the parents' garage doing it. Um, but yeah, the first press we bought was a uh, six color four station Raynar, Raynar, however the heck you say that. Um, it came with a dryer, um, a little exposure unit from Ryanette and then just this piece of shit, um, flash unit and the flash unit maybe lasted six months and it just fried up and I said, throw it away. Um, but that's what we started with. And it was, I think four grand for everything. And I mean, a couple of jobs paid for it. Um, that's, what's crazy about this industry is you can be like, Oh, I want to be in the screen printing business. And you're like, mm -hmm. here's $4,000. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> and it's bad because anyone can, for the most part, get into the business for, I mean, you could have an automated shop for 50 grand and be off to the races. Um, which brings, to I think brings in a lot of bad because um, you get a lot of just people that'll print for pennies or quarters and won't put out good quality work. Um, and then there's other print shops that invest all this time and money and charge a little bit more. Mm. Uh, and that's like which, my, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, which is funny. Well, it's not really funny, but like when COVID happened, that's kind of what, like a lot of those shops that came in small and just tried to be cheap and everything else, like, they kind of went a lot of them went away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause they were too in over their heads with stuff and yeah, you know, they didn't last. Yeah, no, it's true. And there's probably, like, that's my biggest, I guess I could say struggle right now is there's so like on my way home from work, I probably passed four print shops, uh, maybe five, two of them are way out of my league. They're like seven, eight auto shops. So, well, you yeah. said you have quick turn there. So, yeah, but I mean, I'm not competing with him. He's right. They're, they're massive. Um, but there are a lot of smaller shops, one and two, um, auto shops. A couple of them are a little bit bigger. Um, but there's a lot of competition in this area, um, which kind of sucks. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. Well, what are you doing that kind of separates you from them? Like, are you trying to do anything different from them? As an um, offering or better turnaround ones? times, better communication, customer service, um, just little things like that. I've seen like I had a guy come in Thursday last week um, and he said, hey, I just got 144 shirts done at this other shop down the street and they won't print my neck labels. 
I said, okay, bring it down. I'll get it done. He needed it done by Friday for an event on Saturday to sell the shirts. And I kind of knew the guy. Um, and he knew I had a little shop and he came and he's like, yeah, this other shop, they just, it's always, oh, next week, next week. And they never get anything done on time. And it's just always a hassle. And I said, bring me your stuff. I'll be a completely honest with you and transparent. If I can get it done, I'll do it. If I can't, I'll tell you, I can't do it. Um, and I took him back in the shop and he used to manage a big shop. So he understands um, the print industry. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, I have an eight color, 10 station press. Um, for the most part, most of the time, the color count that we can do is about six colors. I said, anything over that is just way too much unless we're printing on white shirts or doing wet on wet. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, yeah, okay, that sounds good. You seem like you know what you're doing. Um, and if you, and he said, uh, what was it yesterday? He said, he's gonna start sending all of his work here and see how it goes. Cause he's just sick and tired of other shops, just beating them around and not doing what they're going to say they do. Right. But yeah, there's a lot of competition, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Are you trying to do anything online or is it all trying to be local? Um, so I, I don't really run any ads. Everything's just referrals, um, local work. I do ship out of state for a couple customers. Um, but most people just find us on Instagram, all social media referrals. Um, and then, I mean, I DM and email a bunch of people every week just to reach out and see who needs right. work. That's more what I was wondering. Yeah. So <laughs> you're in your garage, you have a manual mm-hmm. and it must've been that you, you got enough, one or two reasons you get an auto is that you can't keep up with the manual and you need an auto, you know, like an automatic press or you're just, <laughs> your arms are killing you. And you need, you know, you get an automatic press. And so was it, or sometimes I guess it's both of those things. <laughs> and so yeah, say, what was it for you? Um, I'd say it was a little bit of everything. Um, one thing that I told myself, I said, I'm never going to really grow it bigger unless I move into a legit location, have a good showroom and get an automatic press. That way I can do those bigger um, jobs and, have them not take two, three days to print 400 shirts. Cause like, I remember I printed a breast cancer awareness shirt and it was like 400, 500 shirts. It probably took me realistically probably two days to do. It was all by myself, printing the front, printing the back, grabbing all the box, folding them, separating them, everything. And I just figured, you know, if I can afford the press and afford the, all the things that go with it, I might as well try it and see what happens. Um, and so that's what I did. And, that's where I'm at now. And I don't regret it. Um, it definitely was very scary cutting that check and paying for it all. Um, but I'm looking back at it now. I never touch my manual press unless it absolutely has to be used. I have one guy that's on there basically full time. that just prints everything under 50 pieces. Um, but now when I look at the manual and the auto, I said, why the heck didn't I do this sooner? Even 24 shirts. I'm like, I'm not going to touch the man. It's just still on the auto will be done in It'd be done in an hour if that. We would do that. We would. We'll do that now with like two shirts. Really? Like if we had to throw something back up to like print it because something got messed up, it's like, uh-huh. oh, let's just throw it on out. Like, yeah. it's just once you're so used to it, you don't want to like hop over to the manual and be like, oh, let me register yeah. this and and everything. It's just. Yeah, if it's me printing, I try never to touch the auto. I'll print neck labels on the or I won't touch manual. the manual. I'll print neck labels on there because it's easy, but just. Like Friday, I threw, it was a 40 piece job front and back. And my guy was on the manual printing those neck labels. 
and I had the ne- I had the forty piece job done by the probably halfway when he was uh, probably halfway went on the neck label job, mm-hmm. and I was thinking to myself, if I threw this on the manual, it would take I don't know an hour, hour and a half to do fronts, grab them all, switch the screens over, do the backs. Um, so just having that as a tool to use is or I thought at the time it would be very smart to just go out and buy it. Um, cause every now and again, big orders do come through here and I can't imagine printing that on the manual and nor would I want my guys to print that on the manual. I'd just be right. horrible, but it does get used for smaller jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how long were you in the garage until you decided you wanted the new place? Mm, maybe, maybe like three years. I'd say three, four years. Yeah. And then you were like, I got to get out of here. Went to the new place. And how long have you been in the new place? Um, so I moved in two months before COVID. Um, and I had everything up and running probably a month before COVID and ran production for two weeks. And then there's nothing. Cause I do a lot of schools and brands, construction companies, gyms and everything just shut down. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you I had freaking all, out? Uh, of course, yeah. Spent <laughs> $60,000 on equipment and had to pay for it. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I was, I was tripping out. And, I mean, I made all this, this huge purchase and had this grand idea of right. having a big print shop. Um, so, yeah, it sucked. But, thankfully, I had a vendor call me probably like two, three weeks into COVID. And he's like, hey, do you need any hand sanitizer? And I said, no, I don't need any hand sanitizer. And my dad called me and he said, Hey, I need hand sanitizer for my work. Do you know where I could get some? I was like, Oh yeah, I know a place. So I went, bought a case, gave him whatever he needed. And then I was doing a bunch of research and you couldn't get hand sanitizer anywhere. And I just posted on social media and I said, Hey, if anyone needs hand sanitizer, I have it, whatever. And I was selling it for like two bucks more than I bought it just to help out and pay for my time. Sold the rest of it out in probably an hour. And I was like, Hmm, maybe there's a need for all this stuff right now. And sure enough, there was, I reached out to my vendor. I said, what do you have? And he had hand sanitizer, gloves, every type of face mask. Uh, now, face where did this guy get it from? Was he, was he creeping it in his garage or what? No, he had like a 5,000 square foot warehouse full of it. That he was importing it all in from China and doing a lot of it. All the hand sanitizer is all local, um, but everything else was getting imported from China. But so I, he told me everything he had. I grabbed one of everything and made like an email campaign, emailed it out to all my printing customers. And then I have another business and I emailed it out to all of them. And for probably about two and a half months, it was nothing but selling all this PPE stuff. I had people showing up at the shop, just paying what not, I wasn't overcharging them. Like I said, I was probably making two, three bucks on average of what I paid um, or on top of what I paid. And for what, like a, like a, like a handheld bottle. Yeah. So there he came in eight ounces and I think 12. Um, and some companies at a time would buy anything between 2000 to 6,000 hand sanitizers at a time. Um, but yeah, it was nuts. People just show up here with cash cards, checks, begging for it. Um, and I did that for probably good two, two and a half months. And that really helped with paying bills and just, uh, making some money. Now you mentioned you had another business too. What was that? 
Yeah. So super random, but it's a trailer rental company. Um, it's kind of like U-Haul, um, but they're a little bit bigger trailers and a little bit more heavy duty. Um, and I started that when I was probably a yeah, senior in high school. Really? Yeah. And I just started it with uh, one of our trailers that we used um, as a family to go off-roading. And it was just sitting there and I told my dad, I said, Hey, I'm going to start renting, renting this thing out. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, you can rent it out for 40, 50 bucks a day. And he's a lawyer and he drafted up a contract and he said, okay, try it. See what happens. First two weekends, I think I made 150 bucks each weekend by renting a trailer out for. Was so just like a regular, like a car trailer or like an enclo- fully enclosed trailer or what is yeah, it? So all of them, um, six of them are, sorry, seven of them are all just flatbed trailers. You can put cars, off-road stuff on their equipment, whatever. And then two of them are hydraulic dump trailers. We can throw all your trash in there, press a button and it dumps. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I started that then. And that's another reason why I moved is cause I was running the trailer business out of my parents' house, the printing, um, company on my parents' house. And big holiday weekends, I'd have three, four trailers up the street and boxes outside trying to print, rent trailers and just do everything was a mess. Pretty awesome. Yeah. And well, the trailer uh, thing, you said you started in high school, you bought one. Did you just get enough profit from that one to buy another trailer? And then. Yeah. So the first one I got was my, was my dad's and I just rented it, rented it, rented it. And I finally needed more. And I said, Hey, I'm going to sell your trailer. I'll give you what it's worth. Cause he wasn't using it at the time. So I paid him for what I sold it for and then just kept buying more off Craigslist um, or friends that I knew had them that wanted to sell them. So I'd buy them, I'd try to buy them really cheap and fix them up, put new tires on them, redo the brakes, the bearings, lights, paint them, uh, make them look nice. Um, it's funny that you took something that wasn't yours, your dad's, and you're like, I'm going to start renting this out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, thankfully, uh, he let me do that and he's uh, very nice for doing that. Um, but yeah, that's what got me started. Um, and you been, learned, I mean, you're, you're 17 or 18, right? You said you're a senior in high school. Yeah. I was and 18. if, if my kid said, dad, you know, like I want to oh, rent something yeah. out that we have, I mean, that's a lot of, you probably learned a lot, uh, oh, like yeah. a crash course of how to run a business just out of renting these trailers. Right. I'm sure yeah, there were like was, some good days and bad days and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. I've, I've seen everything. I've had everything happen. Um, car accidents, people clipping semi trucks, um, tire blowouts, bearings, seizing, uh, everything. Um, it's a good business for the most part. Um, but every now and again, you get those customers, even in screen printing that are just absolute headaches. And no matter what you do for them, it's always your fault. Do you ever get it back where it's like super beat to shit or oh. they super abused it? Yes. Yeah. I have the worst probably ever was, a guy needed it for, I think, three days, two or three days. I charged him, or actually, sorry, he needed it for five days. Um, I only charged him for two to three days um, just because I was felt like being nice. Um, he over-rented by two and a half weeks, never responded, never texted, Jeez. nothing. Um, dropped it off in the middle of the night in front of my house with uh, the whole thing just beat to hell. Missing tire, axles bent, lights blown to pieces absolutely destroyed. So I sent him a lead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, what do you do in that case? Like, do you have it like a day over you keep it? It's this much and another day it's this much. And Uh, his dad's an attorney. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I had him draft me up a letter, um, to take him to small claims. Um, and at the time, so he, we did that. We sent it to him. It got sent back as in it like didn't get opened, but we, 
totally saw it was opened and looked like it had been disheveled. They sent it back. And at the time my dad was um, in the middle of moving his current business into a new building. And he said, look, I don't have time to go to small claims court with you. Just bite it and deal with it and move on. And I think the total repairs were like 1500 to grand. And he said, if that's going to make you go out of business, maybe you shouldn't do this. Just deal with it and move on and learn from it. Um, and that's what I did. And that's probably the worst thing that's ever happened. Um, but for the most part, when people do break them or whatever, they call me ahead of time and say, Hey, look, this is what happened. Um, I take full responsibility for it. I'll pay you whatever. Um, but like I said, every now and again, you just get that terrible customer that just screams and yells at you. And Well, the reason why I asked is because it's funny. Cause like my dad used to have this like homemade wooden trailer that like, I think it was like a boat trailer originally. And then he built like a wooden frame on it and everything, which was the wooden, the wood that he used to build the trailer was probably enough to max out the load for the trailer. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like it was already over. So anyway, I remember when I first bought my house, it was like an old Victorian and we were gutting like the whole house because it was all like lath and plaster and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like filling garbage bags on the second floor. And I was throwing them out the window into the trailer. And every time a bag hit the trailer, it was like, dude, like it like hit the yeah. trailer so hard. So anyway, yeah. I threw like a ton of bags in it and I was driving it to the dump. And the frame was rubbing on the tires so hard that it like carved the rubber right out of the tires. And it like flames were coming off the tires and everything. I like basically destroyed my dad's trailer. You're and I was hard. like. And I am I I thought I was like if people are running trailers from you they're probably beating the shit out of them because it's not their trailer you know what I mean they're like oh whatever I'm running this and whatever but it was funny like after like a year after that my dad like put new tires on fixed his trailer back up and he was working here and it was like I think it was like Father's Day or something I just like went to Home Depot and bought like a big ass I think it was like I don't know like a two thousand dollar trailer mm-hmm. and I was like here dad. Like my one stipulation is that you fucking like burn this other trailer. Like don't sell it. Don't give it away. You have to burn it. And he did. He burned it in his backyard (laughs) because it was a death trap. Like he literally was like, could have anytime he drove on the highway, he could have murdered people. Like there was like two times where the tailgate of it fell off and like, like skid across the highway. And I was like, this thing's going to kill somebody. Yeah, that's uh, that's my nightmare. Um, when they go all out like this weekend, every single one of them, actually seven of seven of the nine were out. And when two or three out, I'm not too nervous. But when I have seven out, that that's seven different opportunities for shit to hit the fan. Mm-hmm. I get a little nervous. Um, so but, you're you're self insured, or do you have insurance on these things, or how? Does so when they're behind their vehicle, their insurance covers it. So when they okay. come to me, I need proof of insurance has to be current of the vehicle that's towing and I need proof of their driver's license. So they pay, give me those, they give, leave a deposit and I charge them the full amount of rental. Um, knock on wood. I haven't had too many insurance issues. Um, you need to sell them like the bonus policy. Like when you go rent a car and they're like, Hey, for 40 more dollars a day. So yeah, that is another option um, <laughs> that I could do, but what I have going so far has worked. Um, and I've been doing mm-hmm. it for, I don't know, seven years. Maybe. So now my, my question is, does your trailer business help your screen printing business? Like, do you take profits from that? And if you need them for what you're doing, you can move stuff around. Absolutely. So yeah. Um, 
a lot of guys will come in here and because I bring them into my same office because I store all the trailers on the side of my building in a little gated um, little area. Um, so I can run everything out of here, which is very nice. Um, but they'll come in and we'll sit down to do trailer paperwork and they look around and say, why are all these shirts around here? Like are these just decorations. What's the deal? And I say, Oh no, in the back, we do screen printing, embroidery, stickers, banners, whatever. And they say, Oh, I own a construction company or I own this or that, whatever. And I try to convert it into a sale right there, or I put all their information in, um, into like Printavo with what they need, their shirts, they use what their, um, order size typically is. And then once they come back and drop the trailer off, I say, Hey, let me know if you need shirts, give them a business card. And then I hit them back with an email, like maybe a week later. Um, You're like, Hey, if you order your shirts for me, I'll give you 10, 10% off on your trailer rental. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it so definitely helps. When you, when COVID happened and you said that the shirt business, you know, like you had to adapt and you sold sanitizer yeah. and the, the shirt business went away. What happened to the trailer business? Was it still busy? I mean, was it, were you diversified enough anyway that the trailer business carried you? Yeah, that went through the roof. Um, last I was April, say. yeah, last April was my best sales ever. Um, like I run it all through Square, the trailer business, and I can look at all the charts and see. Um, and last April was like through the roof versus the previous April. And if you zoom all the way out and look at the last year and the or the last two years, um, twenty twenty was crazy. Um, well, it was all those DIYers. It was like why Lowe's and all those places went crazy because everyone was home yep. and they were mm -hmm. like, oh, let's do these home repairs or build a deck or yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. And they would need yeah. a trailer to do that stuff. So mm -hmm. so a lot of home improvement people, like uh, small people would come, like just families would come pick up a trailer to pick up stuff from the hardware store. They were cleaning out their garage. So they needed a dump trailer because um, everyone was stuck at home and realized, oh, we could redo the kitchen or we could clean out the garage. Right. Um, and then everything else was closed as well, where, um, a lot of the people, um, uh, that use them, take them out to like the desert to go riding off roading. Um, so they would just go out to the desert for a week, five days cause they weren't working and no one was in school. So yeah, it was, it was nuts. If I had probably double the amount of trailers, I could have rented 20 out at a time. Um, awesome. but yeah, it was super cool. And, uh, Sometimes I would take the cash because a lot of people pay cash to the trailer business. Um, and I'd take that cash and just dump it into the printing business with buying chemicals, equipment or whatever. Um, but my, my mom does all my books and she said, no. and digitizing and digitizing. Yeah. She does my right. artwork, my digitizing, my taxes, everything. Right. Um, and she said, no, don't pay with cash, pay with a card, a check. That way there's record of it and you can write it off. So now when I get cash, I just put it in my pocket and right. don't use cash to buy anything. Anymore. Buy candy. Buy candy or buy lunch or whatever. <laughs> right. But, all right. Yeah. So all the shops out there, you heard it here. Don't buy another press or anything like that. Buy a trailer and diversify. And in fact, right. Bo will give you his business plan. Yeah. It's, especially, maybe not, if but, you're, especially if you're in Anaheim. <laughs> yeah. uh, near a print shop down the road from him get into the trailer business <laughs> yeah. no it's funny i've had a lot of people like even friends and just people will call me and they say hey i'm thinking about starting rent trailers and i said okay good luck um it's really it's not hard but you gotta deal with a lot of bullshit and mm -hmm. i've had friends that do it and try and they last maybe a month or two three months um and i see other guys like online that'll start and then they just don't keep doing it because it is 
most of the time is a lot of work. And well, recently, the thing is, is it, it's the same thing in our industry right now. I, well, not right now, but forever is, mm-hmm. you know, with us being open, like with shirt show and just me and Andy and like a ton of other people we know right now, like you could message Andy and be like, Hey, I have a print question. And Andy's yeah. like, okay, this is how you do it. You know what I mean? Like the technical side of screen printing, you could learn on the internet. Like you could go on YouTube and there's a million people trying to make YouTube channels that are like, this is how you screen print. It's like the answers are there. If you want it, like you can go get them. The problem is, is that you don't have a successful business because you know the answer to how to print a t-shirt. Yeah. You have a successful business because you, it, it's your passion and it drives you to do those things. Like, Anybody and their brother could be like, I want to start a screen printing business, but they fade out in two months because they're bored of it. They don't have the drive. They think it has to stop at three o'clock every day or two days of the week. They decide to sleep in and not go to work at all. You know, it takes a certain type of person to be a business owner because they have to be, they have to live it every single day, like all day, every day. Or if something in the shop happens or something with any part of the business happens, you as the owner have to be the one to step up and do that job. You can't just be like, Oh fuck, I'm screwed. Like I don't have a person. You just have to suck it up and do it. So it's the same thing with like the trailer thing. People are like, Oh, I see you making money selling trailers, Mm -hmm. but they don't know that behind the scenes you're hustling, trying to like get more trailers or, Mm -hmm. you know, advertise to get trailers rented and everything else. They're just like, Oh, if I buy a trailer, people are just going to show up here and do it. No. And it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And the reason it's so good is I still have people that have rented or started renting when I started the business and they still rent for me to this day. Um, So that's another nice thing. It's a bunch of referral work and repeat customers. Like I have people that call me on my personal phone and say, Hey, I need a trailer for this weekend or whatever. And I'm typically not open on the weekends. um, But for my good customers, I will come down here and rent them a trailer if need be or return. Uh, Like today, I'll probably have three guys drop off today. Um, just cause I'm already down here, but, uh, yeah, it is, uh, it is one thing just go out and buy a trailer or you go out and buy a printing press and say, right. Oh, t-shirts are going to come and trailer rentals are going to come. But no, it's, it's a not. lot of freaking work. Well, I witnessed it firsthand, like <laughs> here, like with the building I own, I have my shop that's on like kind of one side of it. And then the middle area I used to run out to an antique store, but before it was an antique store, this whole building before I bought it was like a like a hunting fishing store. Mm. And before that, it was the original Agway that like built the building, but the hunting store did really, really well for like years and years and years because the dude who owned it was passionate about hunting and fishing and everything else. Mm-hmm. Well, this was like the main place in our town that sold like hunting and fishing supplies. So when I bought the building and I was only going to occupy part of it, my mom and my stepdad were like, well, seems like a no brainer to, if you can rent that store out to us, we're going to start a hunting fishing store because you know, it did so well for so many years. And they had that mentality too of like, Oh, let's just go buy all the stuff and we'll just sit here and we'll just wait for people to come here because obviously they did that before and it did terrible. Like nobody came here because people used to come here because it was Hap's place. Like he knew everything and he was super passionate about everything that had to do with hunting and fishing. I lived with my parents obviously forever and they never hunt or fished or did any of that stuff. They Mm. literally just saw the opportunity, just Mm. like you're saying, your buddies with the trailers of like, Oh, people bought stuff from this guy. Let's just do the exact same thing. 
and it crashed and burned. Like they were here like a year and they were like, we can't be open anymore. Yeah. So I yeah, fully I get it. Yeah. I feel like you have to, like for me, I've grown up with trailers with going to the lake and the river with a boat and just being around trailers, going off-roading, whatever. So I kind of know a, a lot about them, I guess you could say. Um, and a lot of people that do rent, like I've said, or do a lot of the same stuff that I do. So I can build off that and have a good conversation when they right. come rent. Um, and it's not just like they're going to a big company like a U-Haul or whatever and just talking to some Joe Schmo and don't have that personal relationship. Mm-hmm. Where here I try to build a personal relationship with them and talk to them about their trip. Where are you going? How was it? What can I do to make it better? Whatever. Um, and if it was just someone just to walk in and sit here and just wait, that's not going to happen. You need to do a little bit more work to make it actually work and be successful. So what, uh, what like skills, I guess, unique skills do you have in your business are right now, are you kind of just running the office and doing all that stuff and you have people printing or are you running around doing everything? Um, so at first, when I first moved in here, I was doing everything, printing, quoting, invoicing, burning screens, meetings, everything. Um, and it was probably the end of June. So I moved in here a little bit before March. Yeah, I guess a little before March. But in the middle of June, I started to pick back up and I realized there's no way I can do everything. I can't print, I can't quote, I can't do proofing. I can't, I can't do it all. Otherwise I'm gonna right. be here for 20 hours a day and that's not what I wanna do. So I put an ad out on Craigslist for printers. And I figured, you know, this is probably a good time to get business because a lot of shops are closed and people are out of work. So this guy called me and it was like Thursday at five o'clock and I was just setting up a five color job. And it was probably my first five color job I set up on the auto. And I was like, oh, it's due Friday. Got to get it done. So he called me and he said, hey, um, I know how to print. Um, Can I come by and you interview me, whatever. And I had probably half a dozen of those guys call and said, yeah, this is where I'm located. I'm here from this time to this time, let me know. So I told this guy, I said, hey, I'll be here today till about seven if you wanna come. He's okay, I'll be there in 15 minutes. And I said, eh, bullshit, you're not gonna show up, there's no way. So I was in the back printing and this guy walks in and uh, he, Spoke pretty good English. Um, we're better now. We're, we can communicate a lot better now, but it was, I mean, it was my first person I've ever really hired. Um, so I told him, I said, okay, if you know how to print, there's a five color job on the press, go for it. And he said, can I take a minute just to look at the machine? Cause he worked on Sportsman's um, and I have a diamond back. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever, go for it. So he played around with the machine, got used to it, looked at the micros and everything. And on the sportsman, the micros are in front versus the Diamondbacks are on the side. So he played with that, got used to it. And I think he had the whole job registered, ready to go in probably 15, 30 minutes, or me, it'd probably take a little bit longer. Um, but we printed the whole um, job. It was a five player back, one color front, printed it in probably two hours. And I was like, holy cow this is exactly what I need. If he knows how to print, I can sit in the office, I can sell, I can burn screens, I can prep, I can do so much more. It's gotta be so awesome to have someone walk in that you hire and they automatically know how to do the job that you're fucking hiring them for. Like I've never had that, like ever. 
I've never had somebody just walk in and be like, oh, I can run the gauntlet. And then they just get on it and they fucking print the whole job. Like that would rule so hard to have someone just walk in and be like, hey, take this stress off of my life, please. And then just Mm -hmm. they automatically know how to do it. Yeah. So he's still with me today. He's been here for probably a year and almost a half. Yeah. Probably a year and a half. Um, and he's, he's awesome. I would do anything for the dude. Um, and, uh, I mean, I take very good care of him when it's like for his year anniversary. Um, he really loves the barbecue. So I went out, bought him his favorite beer and bought him a whole entire, um, cooking set so he could barbecue and grill and have everything he could need. And to me, it was a forty. To me, that sounded selfish, though, because you just want good barbecue. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> but I mean, to me, it was a small expense of a thirty-dollar case of beer and a forty-dollar um, thing off Amazon, and I think I printed out something that said like "Congrats, one year, thank you, whatever." Yeah. So, say it cost me a hundred bucks, but the um, the way he looks at it is, wow, this guy, my boss really cares about me right and i really do and i thought we follow each other on facebook and he posted on facebook and was saying oh so happy been here for a year it's been great blah blah and all these people are commenting like congratulations this is so cool um so for me to see that of him so happy and excited to get that makes me so happy and excited for Mm -hmm. him and i know by taking care of him he's going to show up he's going to do what he's good at. And, um, I don't have to really worry about him. Um, and he's, he's great. It's, it's awesome. That's awesome. So I mean, I'm, happy, I'm happy for you that you got that. Guy. Yeah. And it was cause, and the, the alternative of that is bringing in a guy that has been printing for 15 years, bringing in his, um, his ways of doing things when maybe I don't think that's the way it should be done. Um, mm. like maybe bringing in bad habits or good habits. Oh yeah. I told sure. him in the beginning, I said, Hey, look, I need you to be a hundred percent upfront with me. If you don't know how to do something or if you have a question or anything, come to me, we'll talk about it. We'll figure it out. We'll get it done. Um, I said, I don't want you to run a whole job of a hundred shirts or whatever it may be. And it be printed backwards or in the wrong location or whatever. So we're very good with communicating. And he comes to me with any questions. And I said, if you have a better way of doing it, show me. And if it is a better way, we'll do it. And right, for sure. Nine times out of ten, he's got a better way. Now, my question, my question for you, and this is something that I'm running into as well, is I got comfortable with the fact that I had two really good printers on my presses that knew exactly how we wanted to run things, quality wise, good to go, and I was happy with the fact of running single operator on both press, but then anything over a certain amount of pieces, they grabbed someone from the shop to pull and all this other stuff. But there was mainly the two guys that were knowledgeable like fully knowledgeable about running the press all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you run into the problem where one of them decides to quit. Um, and then you're like, fuck, I have one good printer and mm-hmm. I have to hire someone else. And then I have to train them and I have to wait months or weeks or whatever to get somebody okay enough to print a one color or two color or whatever. Um, and now since that happened, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have automatically, no matter what insurance policy, uh, two people on each press that are cross-trained with each other, know how to run the press. So if one's sick, the other guy hops on and can print by himself all day. Or if someone quits, I have that other guy or girl that can 
run the press. So my question is, you're saying, holy shit, I got this guy that's awesome at printing. Do you have someone shadowing him that can learn and soak up everything that he knows so that if God forbid something happens to him or he decides to quit or anything, you have a backup person? Yeah. So probably like four months ago, we started getting really busy and it was a mix of manual work and auto work. And my one guy, um, so during COVID, um, his other shop that he was at was only working maybe two, three days a week. And then he'd come to me when he wasn't working there. And then he eventually quit because other business, I think either went out of business or just was treating him bad. I can't remember what. And he started working here full time for maybe a month or two. Um, and then it slowed down. And I said, I don't have enough work to keep you busy five days a week for 40 hours. Um, he wants like 40 to 60 hours a week, which is a lot. Um, so at the, so now we're back to him coming in at three every day and he'll print from like three to eight o'clock every day. And then I have another guy when we were really busy. He told me he had a friend that knew how to print. I said, okay, well bring him in. Let's see what he can do. And he only prints manual. He's a great manual printer. He can print up to six colors on the manual. He's great. Knows what he's doing. Um, so when they're both here and the auto's running, my manual guy will go over there and my auto guy teaches him, um, on the auto at the same time. So he's starting to, um, teach my manual guy in case my other guys, like you said, gets sick or doesn't show up right. or whatever. Um, and I can go out there on the auto and run it. Um, he's a, definitely a better printer than I am. Right. But uh, the problem is, is that you, you don't want to have to do that. No, you know what I mean? Like, and that's the problem I'm in right now is like, I can go out there and run the press, but like, I also have a day's worth of shit to do yep. on my normal, whatever I do. You know what I mean? So right now me and Brian are going out there and we're tag teaming. like he's setting jobs up and I'm going out and I'm running it for the day. Yeah. And we both are kind of like cutting into our own time. So like Brian has been working late or doing whatever he can do to catch up in the art department. And then I'm doing emails after dinner till yeah. one in the morning when normally I'm trying to go to bed at like 1030. Yeah. No, I get so that. that's my problem is I wasn't thinking enough ahead to have more trained people on press because I'm always trying to keep things lean. And, yeah. and when I, I don't do know if it's into- a, I mean, maybe it's a mix, Dylan, of you trying to keep things lean and also just the inability to hire because, you know, like you've said, you've got in your market anyway, your labor market, you only have so much, like your pool is only so big. (laughs) You have none. And, and and I think that's really tough because it is a combination of things because yeah, you want to, you know, you want to hire somebody and you want to have that backup person, but that backup person costs, you know, and so... Mm -hmm. Um, but that's but that's my problem. And like, I had this discussion with Brian and we were talking about, cause normally we wouldn't have these extra people, but mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what, to me, it's like paying an insurance bill at this point. Like, you know, you look at these employees of like, fuck, I might not have enough work for them all year because in the slow months, you're going to have extra people and you're like, all right, well, we'll find something for them to do. But I'm almost willing to pay the money for them to stand around for a month and a half on slow months. Definitely worth it because I mean, of we do the same the rest thing of the here. year. And, and listening to you and listening to your scenario, it almost would be best, you know, if it is that you are having a single press operator, if that's how you run. And then for the larger jobs, you have um, a persistent, I guess, like an offloader. 
maybe you would just need one because maybe one press runs smaller jobs. We do that we sometimes. Do anyway. We do that sometimes here where one press is running under 50 pieces, right? And then the other press will run. Let's say we're missing somebody. That's how we run it. We have enough people to be uh, to run in teams all the time. But if somebody's out or sick, well, then we'll just shift it to one press runs small jobs, like fixes. Like you were saying earlier, if we have a two shirt fix or something, well, that, that person will run. They don't need a dryer catcher. They don't need a press assistant. Now they can right. move way faster if they had a press assistant because they can help tear out and set up and all that kind of stuff. But if that person's gone, that's what we do. So the very least, anyway, you get one person and that they sort of float between the two presses. Yeah, I have that now, but like I said, is I'm, I'm also in a growing phase too, where I'm trying to get another auto. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm gonna have two on you know, sportsman and two on a gauntlet, and then I'll have one guy on the, the, the new auto so that, you know, he can do tags and sleeves and pockets and one color, two color prints. That way the other two presses are printing more complicated jobs all day long. So the problem is, is I have so many complicated jobs that when something comes along that's like, oh, this job has four locations and it's got, you know, an eight color front, but it's got a one color back, one color sleeve, whatever, then they can print the eight color front on the gauntlet. And then the rest of it can be done on the other auto by the one single operator guy. And then the gauntlet can go right back into doing another 10, 12 color print or whatever. So that's kind of my plan right now is to get enough people to where I have insurance policies and I have more than enough staff to where I can focus on what I'm good at. So, so do you have a, a catcher at the end of the dryer? Yeah. All the time. Mm -hmm. that's One or my, two. Yeah. So that's my biggest problem right now is if we get a big job in and it's me and my guy on the press or both my guys on the press and then me catch, I can't always be out there catching whether it's email work or meetings or whatever. And it's a pain in the ass when you have 200 shirts fall in the box and you have to go back and pick them out of the box and separate them by size. I feel like oh, that's, that's no something, good. I feel like that's something that you should just do. Like you should get somebody that's willing mm -hmm. to work to yeah. just catch shirts all day long because a, if it's a front and a back, when the printer's done printing, he can automatically have them all ready, right. you know, flat and ready to go for the back. And it's quality control too. Like, they're looking and being like, oh, there's a pinhole here or, hey, when it's coming through the dryer, it's doing this or, you know, anything like just getting stuff unboxed and staged. So if you're doing something that's a pallet worth of boxes and you can only do two boxes worth on your cart, when your cart's done, they automatically have two more boxes worth of shirts carted and ready to go for you mm -hmm. to continue. So the more you're stopping and everything like that, you got to think throughout your day, like if you're if you guys are printing a job and you have to go over yourself and lay out all those shirts for the thing, that downtime on press or that time of you doing that is well worth paying somebody, mm -hmm. you know, a couple bucks over minimum wage or whatever to come in and just pull shirts off the dryer. Yeah. And I do have that. I have a friend that'll come in and do it when he's not in school. And then my brother will actually come in um, more busy and they'll just catch all day long. When we were smaller, that's what we did in the summer is we just had uh, mm -hmm. like high school kids that wanted like after school job. Yep. So, you know, they, we would do the same thing. We would print a whole job and we'd have nobody at the end of the dryer and we would let them fall into the bucket or whatever. And then we'd put them unfolded in the box and yep. set them aside. And then when they got here at whatever two o'clock, 
they the first thing they did is they folded all those shirts that we printed all morning. Weren't they a wrinkled mess though? I mean, yes, they're not like wadded, but they're like kind of folded in half, like in the box on top of each other but this was yeah, this was a, years ago you know what i mean this is what you did when you right but didn't have the that, option that was one of the spots though that we hired i hired pretty quickly early on because um and i think a lot of shops skip it because you know like you just said it's and it's it's an expense you think it it is anyway right. but uh, really it's not because sort of how you described it you know you're never waiting on a carter shirt it's like they're they're stacking while you're, while the press is setting up that person's carting the shirts and getting them ready. So they're on deck, ready to go. And then when, you know, as they're printing, they don't fall into a box. They're perfectly folded. Or if they have, if you have fronts and backs, they they're ready to go on a cart and, you know, you're never waiting for a cart of shirts. And then also if you run into a spot where they are like, they're, let's say you're setting up like a five color or an eight color it takes a little bit longer and they're waiting on the press and they're just standing there. There's no really just standing there. They can check in, you know, they can count a job in or something. And so they be, it, it always worked that the quality control who was ever at quality control, if we ever had shipping and receiving open up, they moved right to shipping and receiving because they already knew all of the shirt styles. They knew what, you know, they knew a lot about screen printing and I would always move them to, to shipping and receiving. And so, um, and they had already cross, uh, cross trained into it, you know, that's something that I'd already done. So it's like a natural move and that it also comes with, um, better pay. So they were always willing to do it. Um, yeah. So Dylan, did, did we get any questions? I don't think we did. We got one. I think <laughs> it's just a statement though. <laughs> it was last minute. Hold on. Oh no, we did. I don't if I knew how to work. We this. have to make this a slightly shorter podcast than normal because it's Andy's anniversary. Congrats. Yay. Hey, Andy. Thanks, man. Thank how many years? Another year. Um, don't ask me complicated questions like that. How many years? Oh, Joanne's gonna uh, hear this shit. You're fucked I mean, now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the question is <laughs> you skip you right over the question. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> What's the question? It's Gorilla Joe. He says clockwise or counterclockwise presses spinning, manual or auto. It depends on your layout and your dryer situation. Yeah, so we have both. So on the on the right side of the dryer, our press spins counterclockwise because we want to offload right to the dryer, and then the opposite on the other side. I think he means maybe if you're just going to set it up, what's your preferred? spin mm-hmm. if i'm right-handed i'd probably want to spin that's also for some people that depends Clockwise. on where they like their cart for loading yeah that's true there's um, a lot of there's a lot of weird ways to load like if you look there's videos online of like different ways that people load and unload like i think yeah. we talked about this before like some people even if it's a front mm-hmm. print like to have it face down so that you can like pull it off differently that's how my guy loads, and I load the other way with the. Um, yeah, I load. Reverse. I like the cart. I like the cart on my right, and I do it like face up. But I have the the open end of the shirt right there to my right, mm-hmm. so I'm just reaching over, grabbing the seams, coming back over to me, loading it on, taking it off. Mm-hmm. Andy, what's your preferred? I guess I'd be preferred on the right, although we have to be ambidextrous here because depending on what press you're on, 
it's you know it could be so you're hopping right. from press to press depending right right but i yeah. if i had to choose i'd choose loading to the right yeah mm-hmm. what about you Bob? um i i have it on the left um just because that's the only way we can with our layout put the box or the shirts to the left and uh yeah that's what i always found works best for me i can't do it on the right i don't know why it just doesn't work but uh <laughs> yeah. but as far as clockwise versus counterclockwise i think clockwise for me mm-hmm. i like better that's what we are clockwise andy i'm thinking clockwise although i don't it, for me it doesn't matter so much yeah i don't really it doesn't matter i'm just so used to doing it both ways i guess cuz it's whatever press I'm on. So um, manually though, I would definitely spin, I would set it up and I would spin like this. So I would spin clockwise. Clockwise, yeah, I would do clockwise yep. too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all right. Well, do you have any questions for us, Bo? I do, um, let's see. So I guess what I would know is for someone in my position, um, like tips and um, let's see. So what would you do if you were in my shoes and different things you would do to avoid like different pitfalls and you growing? Um, Like what did you learn along the way that you could relay back to me so I don't necessarily have to go through those problems? (laughs) So you wanna hear what horrible decisions we made so that you won't make those decisions. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Uh, well, my biggest regret in business was getting a business partner. That's number one for me, for sure. So that's why when you said girlfriend, I fucking, my butthole tightened up really hard. Um, two would be to not do my research on buying used equipment. That's why I only buy brand new now is because I bought way too many used, too much used equipment that was beat to hell. And I spent more time fixing than I did actually working on. Makes sense. Um, What else would I say? Buy as much as possible. Well, this works for me. It doesn't work for everybody. But buy as much as possible with cash when you have it. Not actual cash, but like your own money, not borrowing everything. Um, To me, that's been huge. And, you know, owning my own building was a huge plus. But that I fell into, like, I didn't plan that at all. I don't want to act smart. I just had an opportunity to buy my building and it was the best thing I ever did. So if you have the opportunity to buy a building early, that's a shithole that you can fix up slowly. I would Mm -hmm. definitely say to do that and then take your profits and buy more equipment and grow when you can not just jump into a bunch of shit and then screw yourself over. Those would be my pitfall tips. Mm-hmm. is to just go at your own pace and own your own shit. Got it. Andy? My advice would be to go ahead and step into all those pitfalls. <laughs> yeah. Um, because that's what I did and that's how I learned and that's how I, um, uh, you know, through mistakes, I learned. And I think that, yeah, there's some general ones that you can throw out there, like Dylan's, that, that was good advice. But I think that if you, um, unless you just do it on your own, because 
sort of like if I were to give advice on how I did this 10 years ago, it maybe wouldn't even apply now. Maybe some, some stay the same, but some of it wouldn't, you know? And so I love the fact that I uh, made mistakes and, and that's what made me better. <laughs> um, one of the worst things I did though, um, to give you one, so you, maybe you won't make it, um, is that, uh, finance some stuff on credit cards. I did that early on. And, um, the only reason why I'm mentioning that one is I didn't know that affected your credit score. I, I was oblivious to the fact that, um, if you max out a credit card, well, that ratio, um, gets messed up and then your credit score is crummy. <laughs> and so, um, don't do that unless you have no other option. Then I would say, dude, do that because, yeah. you know, then you could get whatever piece of equipment you needed or whatever it is that allowed you to grow your business. And so I think that it's the hardest thing starting a business. I don't know if there's anything harder and then making it past Certainly. five years, you know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, I'm reading a book right now, just started it clockwork and it's um, hopefully going to help me get through to this next phase because I'm sort of been a plateaued in a lot of our processes here. And I am stuck fixing things like you guys were talking about earlier. I'm, I'm the one that, um, you know, helps out when things go wrong and it seems I'm the fixer. And it seems like, well, and there's other fixers here too, but it seems like, uh, what this book talks about anyway, is that if all you're doing is, as you, as you're fixing things during the day, well, that's rewarding and you get rewarded, a rewarding feeling from it. Like, Hey, I, we survived another day. Um, but that's the wrong way to look at it actually, because it's, um, in the end, you know, what will you have to show for it? And I need to figure out a better way through efficiency, according to Mike, that's what he says to, uh, get through some of these, um, issues that we have here. And that's one of the reasons why Ryan came uh, last week to help start that process because um, it's a complicated one and it's a hard one to take on all, all by yourself, especially with me solving problems during the day and fixing things through the day. I'm not able to work on the macro, the bigger stuff, you know? And so it'll be uh, baby steps. And, um, but I, I hope I can get there in maybe a year or so. So yeah, that's my advice. Sorry, it was. It was I have two more things after listening to Andy. One (laughs) boring thing is I learned at the well, not necessarily the hard way, but I learned that getting somebody to manage those things that you think are like we said, like catcher at the end of the dryer, or a assistant to handle help with emails, or more customer service people. Like you think it's not necessary or you don't have the money for those things, but they by far pay themselves off with the fact that you now as the visionary and the one that's motivated the most out of the company have the time and availability to work on the business instead of working in the business. You can go after those dream customers or do the marketing you want to do or whatever. And you doing that creates so much more work for the people that work for you to, you know, grow your company and do all that stuff. So that was my one. And two, you were talking about credit cards and, and like getting a ton of credit card debt. It reminded me of, I don't remember how old I was. I was younger 
but there was a buddy's house all through high school that we always went to and partied at on weekends. And like, it was the same thing, like go to his house after work at night with, you know, drinks and snacks and food and whatever. And they would just drink and get high and they would have, we'd have a bonfire and we would always just sit out there and like play guitar or whatever and just sit around bonfire and just be kids and fuck around. Well, the one dude's house that was at had uh same thing. Like he had a bunch of credit card debt or whatever. And was kind of, we were talking and joking around the fire that uh, what he should do is he should just file for bankruptcy because he couldn't pay the credit card debt or whatever. But we were saying, well, the best thing you could do if you're going to file, you know, you're going to file for bankruptcy is to buy a bunch of shit that the bank can't take back. We were like, you know what we should do is you just have a fucking rager and like go to the grocery store and buy those like meat platters, you know, like the huge fucking, like it's something you would get for like a funeral or like a big party or something. We're like, we should just buy a bunch of food and like stuff that like the bank couldn't possibly take. So it was like the very next weekend he did that. He went and got like a ton of like meat platters and like snacks and like all this shit. And then like a week later he filed for bankruptcy. <laughs> so he just added to that credit card debt because he knew he was going to fucking do it. And it was just, it, it just reminded me of that. Like just fuck it. Like whatever. That's funny. <laughs> so do you, sounds, do sounds, you have sounds any awesomely irresponsible? I love it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't know if I'll do that, but fucking YOLO, Andy. Come on. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yo. Um, so what's your next question? Is it smarter to do smaller jobs versus the big thousand piece jobs? Like, where do you guys find like your sweet spot is? Um great question. Yeah, like it was a really one. good one. Yeah. There's like some jobs one. that you'll print. I don't know, 2000 shirts and it's cool. Cause you got all these boxes everywhere and shirts everywhere and it looks cool. That's other, an ego thing. Yeah. And then there's those other jobs where it's 200 shirts and you make way more money on those 200 shirts than you do on the 5,000 shirts. Exactly. So that's well, if, your sweet spot. If uh, I would, I think you should add, if you are fast at setup teardown, I mean, if you have a, like a trial lock system or, rest, or registration system, yeah. you know, because maybe it's not the case if you're taking forever, you know, setting up jobs, but. If you have um, pre-press and you have a registration system and all that stuff dialed, okay. like ideally are in our scenario anyway, it's better to do the hundred to 500 to a thousand piece jobs because yeah. of the, the markup and everything else on those things. Yeah. We do a lot of like the five to 10,000 piece jobs, which we do make a, you know, a good amount of money on. Um, but you got to think about, okay, if I'm doing a 5,000 piece job and it's going to take me whatever it takes, say it takes you two, three days to do the whole job on one press. Um, how many of those hundred to 200, 500 piece jobs could you have gotten done in that time? And how much money did you make on those jobs versus what the profit you made on that one job that ate up your press for three days? Plus it's the logistics of like, yeah, you have a 5,000 piece order, but it's going to be five skids. Can you move those five skids around? Are you paying one, two, three people to pull the boxes to pull the shirts out and fold them back up and rebox them and move them around if it's multiple locations and everything else. And how is that order shipping and everything else? So, I mean, there's pros and cons to both for sure. But our sweet spot here is, you know, like I said, like the, the 500 piece order or something where, you know, yeah. you get it up, you print it, you're done in an hour and a half, two hours, take it down, set up the next one. Yeah. We had my first 
big job here was like 2,300 shirts a couple months ago for a school. And the check was nice. It was cool and all, but it was, I think two pallets of shirts and it took forever to count them all in. Um, it took us probably a day, maybe a day and a half to get the whole entire thing done. Um, and then it was repackage it into all the boxes, um, label each box, what's in the box. Um, and then it's a high school right up the street. So I just delivered it and it filled up my whole entire truck. I literally had no room in it except me to drive. Couldn't see out of anything. Um, and looking back on it, the check size was great. It was cool. Um, but the amount of work and effort that went into it right. was, I don't know if it was worth That's what it. I think if like you're set up for that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you logistically have the people and the space to do those kinds of jobs. Yeah. It makes sense. Like you can do that for sure. Yeah. Like we will take a large order, like a really large order if we want to. It's just not our every single day thing. Like you're not doing an, a 5,000, 10,000 piece job going right back into another five, 10,000 piece job. Like it's not how it happened. Well, especially here. Like, like I said, we're doing the tons of, you know, 25 to a thousand piece jobs every single day. And then maybe like once a week or once every two weeks, we're doing that 3000 piece job or a 5,000 piece job or whatever. So they're sprinkled in. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not all the time, all the time. Got it. Uh, for us, I didn't, I decided a while back, I don't know how many years ago to not discount after a thousand. So like our pricing, I've seen a lot of pricing matrix matrices. Matrices. <laughs> yeah. Is that what it would be? Probably that, you know, they go and they discount past a thousand, like to 2,500 and then to 5,000 and it's even cheaper. And I was like, well, wait a second, you know, it's not any cheaper for us for a thousand between a thousand and two thousand and five thousand it's the same really and so why would i discount it and in fact it should be harder it's price it should go like this it should, price should decrease and then it should start going up again because like kind of like what dylan said it's just getting all the pallets and counting in yeah it's tough and so the liability i mean if something goes wrong and so i stopped discounting after a thousand um and so if I get a shirt order for, for, for 2000, I'm, I'm happy with that because I haven't priced myself into a, a spot where, you know, it would be cheaper for me to do, you know, a 500 piece order, for example. And so, um, and if the person thinks or, or says that, you know, well, I can get it cheaper somewhere else because I, I get it, I get, you know, um, quantity discounts over there, well, then they can go over there, but that's just not how we're going to do it. And so. Um, that's, that's my answer. Um, the sweet spot though, I mean, it probably still is kind of like what Dylan said, a couple hundred shirts, just as yeah. far as what it's more about though, like just, um, what you like to print and what printers like to print, you know, we had a crazy, we're in peak season right now. And so we're having, you know, monster weeks, <laughs> we're printing a lot of shirts and, uh, it takes a toll. And so I think you would, I think printers would rather print, um, you know, 200 piece orders, set up, tear down, get that break in between. You know, if you're just constantly loading for hours, the break is what people like, especially printers. Like me and Andy could talk as business owners mm -hmm. of being like, yeah, I like a big mm -hmm. check when it's a big order. But if you go talk to the actual printer, they're like, fuck this. I don't want to do the same. I don't want to be looking at the mm -hmm. same print all day long. And I don't want to be constantly loading. I want to be load, load, load. Okay. Tear down set up something new and go again. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, there is a difference too, though. Like if you get an order that's like three, four thousand pieces, and it's like a simple job, it's like white shirts, black ink. It's like, oh fuck yeah, we can pound through this. Like we can do, you know, three, four second dwell and just crank these shirts out. Um, mm-hmm. that that's fun and that rules, and it's good money because it's easy and quick. But a lot of those jobs seem to be like we have a job right now that we just got that I think we're doing this week. That's like 4,000 long sleeves and it's front back, front back and both sleeves. And it's like, you have to move those shirts around four times. And it's like, it sucks. <laughs> like you look at those and you're like, Oh, do you really need the sleeve prints? Do you sure we can't put those logos on the back? Mm-hmm. And you don't think about how much of a time suck it is. Wow. I was just talking to um, some people here just last week about how we, cause we just changed our pricing a little bit and um, we have second location pricing and we used to use that as for sleeves too, but really it needs to be way more because sleeves yeah, slow you down. Do that too. You do what? I add, I add like another price on top if it's a sleeve or like a, a location that we have to change a palette out for. Like if it's mm-hmm. a youth palette, we have to change it out for like those go up even higher because we have a location, like a, a setup fee, but I mean like a per piece print. Oh, right. Just I'm just saying sleeves. that we add that to it, like automatically on our pricing right. chart. If it's oh, good. a sleep print, because yeah, because it, it is a sleep print. Right. <laughs> yeah. It sucks. <laughs> no, we do the same. We charge an extra, we charge the print price and then an additional anywhere from 30 to 50 cents, depending on what it is. But yeah, all sleeves fleece, everything that's a nightmare to move hoodies gets an extra mm-hmm. on top of whatever it's getting printed yeah, at. Sure. Cause when hoodies come full, that it's, it's a nightmare. And I had, I had somebody, I have to, I know real quick, I have to look this up. Uh, someone sent me, I'm sorry. I, I don't have time to look up who it was, but he showed me a video of how to load a cart to print uh, independent hoodies without unfolding every single one. And it ruled, you know, like if you get independent, they're all individually folded. And like mm-hmm. what we've always been doing at shipping and receiving is they're taking them out of the box and like laying them all. So they're flat folded. So that when the printer grabs it, they can grab like, you know, chunks of five or whatever and lay them on the cart. Uh, but he showed me that you can just get them all individually folded, throw them on the cart and then just grab them by the bottom. And when you grab that individual one from the bottom, you're just loading it on anyway. So they just go right down through the stack without that's cool doing them the other way. So that's yeah, awesome. let's do quick takes because Andy's got 12 minutes. He's got date night. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So Dylan, you got them. Pull yeah, them up. You want me to start them off? Yeah, do it. Um, what's one thing you need every morning? Cup of coffee. Oh, going with the coffee one. Yeah. It's a good day. man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what show are you currently obsessed with? I wouldn't say obsessed with, but right now I'm watching on Netflix. Uh, it's called Lucifer. And then there's that other show that's like very, very popular. I can't think of the name. It's, uh, the one we were just talking about earlier, like the the game show one. Yeah. Yeah. That one I just started. I mean, squid, squid, squid game, squid games. Yes. Mm. Super weird, but very interesting. That's funny. Neither of us have watched it yet. No. Mm-hmm. We're talking about how popular it was. Yeah. But my other go-to is The Office. I know you don't yeah. like The Office. Yes. I can't yeah. do it. Yeah. I love it. 
<laughs> I can do I can do it. So mm. I feel you. Beach trip or mountain trip. Andy, you changed these up. I did. I thought, you know what? Let's have some fresh questions. Um, right. Some same. I'm liking some it. same. I'm liking yeah. it. Cool. I'm much more of a beach person. Um, I was, I just drove back from the mountains today, but uh, yeah, I would rather the beach or the mountains all day. I just don't like going in the water. So <laughs> beach you can just go to the beach. sitting on the beach, but I'm also a giant pasty white guy. So sure. sitting on the beach is just like, you're asking to just be burned. <laughs> so I don't know. Mountains probably for me. Yeah. Uh, Andy, you got next one. Sorry. I almost did the next one for you. What advice would you give your younger self? Um, not overthink things. Um, go buy for more it. trailers, buy more trailers. Um, at the end and not overthink shirt jobs at the end of the day. It's just art and uh, it's a fun thing. Um, it's just a t-shirt, just a t-shirt. And if you mess it up, you can go buy another one. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's your go-to snack? Hmm. Right now they sell this thing at the grocery store. Um, they're called dots pretzels. I don't know if they sell them by you guys, but they're very addicting. I could probably, are they like the, isn't there like a movie theater candy called dots? Yeah. yeah. Not that I don't think could be the same brand. Um, but they're just adding a pretzel. It's just a pretzel and they're all seasoned. One's like a barbecue. One's a spicy barbecue. One's mm. a honey mustard and they have an original, but they're very addicting. Not bad. Yeah. And when he said that, I was thinking the same thing, like pretzels, like but gummy bear candy. looking pretzels or something. Yeah. yeah. They're just pretzels. Mm. Uh, do you prefer a night in or a night out? night out what do you do if you go out like what's your ideal date um so i have a good core group of friends from high school that i still hang out with to this day that's what i was just with this weekend um and whether it's go out we always we probably hang out once or twice a week um and whether it's going out to dinner going out to dinner to the bars or going on i was doing fun things at night um but an ideal night would be i don't know go to dinner and maybe go out for a drink after and just enjoy the weekend Go downtown. Okay, Andrew. All right. Well, what's for dinner tonight? I knew this question was coming. I have no idea, but my brother's (laughs) home waiting for me and he's probably going to watch Sunday night football. So we'll probably order something. Um, There's a good Italian place down the street that we always order. So very well could be pasta tonight. Pasta. Pasta. Take out pasta. It's good. Okay. I feel like anytime I order takeout pasta, it's like in the container, it sweats so much that it's yeah. just like soggy mess by the time I get it. But I, I also have to drive a half an hour for it and then drive a half hour home. That's your so problem. That's this, my problem. This is half a mile down the street and uh, I call so you it. run a- there, get it, run home, open it immediately. And it's fresh yeah. pasta. Yeah. And it's hot as heck and it's ready to go. Yeah, that's perfect. All right. That sounds way better. Mm-hmm. Andy, what are... Uh, Explain it. You're going to Olive Garden? Yeah, we're going to Olive Garden for some, uh, you know, that unlimited salad and those breadsticks. breadsticks. Right. I mean, it's a fancy, it's a special night. So (laughs) something special for your special gal. Going to a special place. (laughs) Very cool. Dylan, how about you? What are you having? uh, 
you know what? I ate, I was working on my computer at home before I came here and I thought it was going to be my dinner and it was leftover Chinese from the refrigerator and it wasn't that great. And I'm going to have to make food when I get home, but it's probably going to be like eggs and toast because that's my go-to. Breakfast for dinner. Yeah. Well, it's so, it's so odd. Like I love eggs. Like I, I eat eggs all the time. So like just making like two over easy eggs in a pan and putting them on toast. And I have to put my eggs on toast. Like I can't have eggs without toast. Hmm. So taking an egg, putting it on toast, eating it off the toast is okay. You can't go wrong with breakfast for dinner. That's always no. a good one. Except Definitely for not. Dylan can, because he probably puts it on wonder bread or something. Oh, yeah. white bread all the way, dude. That's, that's no. gross. Some good no. bread. No. White bread mm. too boring. Nope. Plain ass white bread all day long. Well, Bo, great talking to you. Uh, thanks for chatting with us today. And thanks for getting your mom's artwork and putting it behind you. I was just going to say the same thing because I looked yeah, at it the whole time. If you like her artwork, go on my Instagram page. I just tagged her and go buy her art. She Hell yeah. Mom's Backyard Art is what her page is called, right? No, it's... Uh, <laughs> I'll tell her to change it. <laughs> mom's Badass Backyard Art. Exactly. Perfect. Yep. Awesome. All right, dude. Well, it was great meeting you. Uh, thanks for being on and uh, go enjoy your hot Italian. <laughs> well, dude, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, dude.